people still come up to me and say, tell me what to do. Yeah. And I realized then people who went to school and did well, they're used to the teacher telling them yes. what to do. So they come out in the real world and they're looking around for somebody to tell them what to do. Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. Hey, it's Brandon. This episode was a live recording, so the audio is a bit uglier than maybe usual. So just give me some grace if you would and be prepared for a truly phenomenal discussion. Mr. Robert Kiyosaki, how you doing, man? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Honored to be on your program and I'm glad to see you moving on. Keep doing things. Ah, thanks, man. Well, I want to jump right into this. You know, I obviously, everyone knows you, author of a number of books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad being probably the most popular one that we talk a lot about. But I want to know earlier in your career, I want to go to a little bit of your story. Can you walk me back to a place earlier, maybe where you were not world famous, wealthy, like where, where's a lower point in your life you could take me to and then we can broaden well, from there? That's a great question because I'm, an, I'm a very shy person. And when people come up to me and they say the life book changed your life and so many thousands of people here at Limitless and all this. It's not why I wrote the book. I mean, mm. there's some people, as you know, who seek it. They would love to have my position. Yeah. And I didn't really want this position. So I understand that, so I'm shy. I'm always kind of running from people. <laughs> but I think the biggest thing when people said what caused me to do it was I think back in 81, I, I was a student of Dr. R. Buckminster Fuller. He created the geodesic dome. And I've tracked Fuller for a lot of my life since I was a kid, because my poor dad loved Fuller. The professors love Bucky Fuller. Harvard calls him their greatest graduate, but Fuller never graduated from Harvard. He was like me, he got kicked out of Harvard mm. by a great man. But anyway, I was a student of Fuller in 1981, and he said something, it was about a hundred of us in his class, and he stood there and he asked, he says, what does God want done? And at the time, I was in rock and roll. I was running bands, Duran Duran, The Police, Van Halen, Boy George, making a lot of money, you know, and all this. And then Fuller said, what good does Duran Duran do? What good does The Police do? I didn't know. He says, but I make a lot of money. And Fuller said, but what does God want done? And that was the question. And I didn't know for years. And suddenly it came to me, there's no financial education in school. I just wrote a story of my life. I had a rich dad and a poor dad. Yep. My poor dad was a PhD. My, uh, my poor dad was a PhD from Stanford and Northwestern. And my rich dad never went to school. So one day, I'm sitting in my little cabin in Arizona, and I started writing a book that said I had a rich dad and I had a poor dad. And it's because I saw this financial crisis coming that's here today. And the gap between rich and poor is getting wider. I think America's going down because we're Marxists, because most school teachers are Marxists, as mm. I said today. They don't know it. So we're in serious, serious trouble as the American empire. 
So about 25 years ago, I wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, not to get famous, not to get rich, because I just thought that that's what God wanted done. Yeah. Well, I would, I would love to ask a question. If, if you want to bypass this question, feel free. But I've never heard you answer this question. But where do you see God? What does that mean to you? Like, are you a universe guy? Do you have a faith in something? Like, what's that like for you? I'll give you a long answer to a short question. All right. I flunked out of Sunday school also. I flunked out of high school. I flunked out of everything. And I said, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to, I don't want to, I don't want to go. You know, Sunday, I want to go surfing. I want to do this. So the deal I had to make was I had to go to Sunday school until I was 12 or it's church, should I say. My mom and dad didn't tell me what church to go to. Our family was Methodist, so we're Christian. But I could go to any church I wanted to go to. So I went to Buddhist temple, I went to Jewish synagogue, I went to Mormons. I checked it out, man. Yeah. And up until I was 12. And then I realized they're all saying the same thing. And so my religion is I support the freedom of religion and I do sense there's a God, but I'm not a member of any organized religion, which okay. pisses off my fundamentalist Christian friends because they all want to convert me. <laughs> My Mormon friends always try to convert me. Yep. I, said, I said, look, leave me alone. I support your choice of your religion or not religion. That's, that's where I'm at. But I do sense there's a higher power because this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is being driven by something not yeah. with me. Yeah. It came from Bucky Fuller saying, what does God want done? Yeah. And so I ask everybody out there, what does God want you to do? And only you know. Yeah. That's powerful, man. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some things in this universe that just seem to take off for whatever reason that we can't understand. Right. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad was clearly one of those things. I mean, yeah. as, as, you know, Steve Jobs had that quote about putting a dent in the universe. Like, that book put a dent in the universe. Yeah. So here's a question. How does that affect you from a, you get a lot of people that say, hey, you changed my life. Yeah. How do you keep ego in check? How do you keep ahead? Because you seem like a, a normal guy. So how do you keep that in check? Well, number one, I was a U.S. Marine. Mm. And in the Marine Corps, you don't have much of an ego. Yeah. You know what I mean, they, they make sure that's in check. <laughs> but the hard part for me is just saying thank you to people. Not hard, but thank you. Yeah. I want to talk to you about something we were talking about prior to the show is why are people so screwed up? Mm. This Limitless program is fantastic. One of the best I've ever been to because it has the spectrum. Yeah. You have people from Deepak Chopra's place and all this, and I sit there listening to you. I come to learn, so I'm yeah. trying to say. But people still come up to me and say, tell me what to do. Yeah. And I realized then, a lot of times, that's the problem with te people who went to school and did well. They're used to the teacher telling them yes. what to do. So they come out in the real world, and they're looking around for somebody to tell them what to do. That's number one. And the second thing that's a problem is that I'm not saying it goes on in this seminar or this conference, but I meet so many people, it's called puffery. And I said, I made $41 million in two hours. And yeah. they stand on stage and tell you that. Yep. How do you know? Yeah. How do you know somebody's rich? How do you know somebody's poor? And so a lot of times is, I'm not getting that religious, but when I was in Sunday schools, Beware of false gods. And a lot of times on, on these seminars, 
there's a lot of people who want to play God. Yep. You know oh, I mean? Yes. And then and it's a sucker that falls in line with them. Yep. So I'm honored that people come up and say, my book changed my life because I didn't take any money from some yeah. book. But it concerns me that our education system is so Marxist, which was my talk this morning. Yeah. You know, the Federal Reserve Bank is Marxist. Well, does that worry you? The people that just want to be told what to do, that actually fits really well. And I mean, we can go, we, you know, we talked about the Marxist thing earlier, but it kind of fits very well with that sort of the way the U.S. seems to be moving, which is people want to be told what to do. Yes. And then there's these people saying, OK, we'll do this, fall in line. Yes. Don't speak. And that's a, a downward cycle. Yes. That, that yes. worries me. Yes. And even today, this grown man came up to me and asked me, tell me what I should do. And yeah. I'm like, he looks, he has success, he's got money and all this, but too many people leave school waiting for somebody to tell them what to do. Yeah. And they're successful. They cannot think for themselves. Yeah. That's my concern. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If you had to finish this statement, let's even take people, we talk about people, but let's go even maybe a little bit younger. Let's talk about the education system in America, all the way from kids all the way to college. If you were suddenly made president of the U.S. And, and you had ultimate authority, what would you change? What would you want kids today to learn? That's a fabulous question. The reason is, is because I, I go to conferences all the time. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an education junkie, except I hated school. <laughs> okay, so I go to events like the Limitless and all this because I want to listen to the great teachers. Yeah. And I like podcasts because, you know, social media has done a lot of damage. Yeah. But it's also brought a lot of great teachers, you know, to the forefront. Like I follow Jim Records and those guys. Records is a friend of mine. There's Peter Schiff, who I listen to. Yeah. So there's a lot of great teachers out there. But my concern is, is that people don't know who to listen to. That's my biggest concern. And today we had students come up on stage. I taught at Arizona State University. There was about 12. And these are the Barrett's Honors Programs kids. They're the brightest of the brightest of Arizona State. So I put on a seminar for these bright students over the summer. So I, I brought my oil guy in there, brought my tax guy in there, brought my attorney in there to teach these young people real entrepreneurship from real entrepreneurs. See, yeah. most teachers are fake. Yep. They don't practice what they teach. You know what I'm saying? And then what happened at Arizona State, I was on stage with Dennis Prager, who was just here, and my, and my doctor, Dr. Radha Gopalan, and Dr. Gopalan is my cardiologist, but he's also a doctor of acupuncture. So Dr. Gopalan, myself, and Dennis Prager put on a seminar called Health, Wealth, and Happiness. The professors shut us down. Mm. And that's what disturbs me right now, is how dark our college professors. Short answer, I was at this AI conference in Nashville and the guy stood up there and at the AI conference, this guy was artificial intelligence. Yeah. I said yesterday that artificial intelligence was a college degree. Mm. But anyway, he stood up there on the stage. He says, teachers are finished anyway. He said that all teachers are gonna lose their jobs because AI is gonna do a better job of teaching. And so the question is, how are you gonna change something Technology is going to change it anyway. So all those teachers out there who are fakes and charlatans, they're going to lose their jobs, which might be a good thing. Then the real teachers will surface, like Jordan Peterson. Yeah. You know, he got, he's a, he's a Toronto or something. The teachers came after him. The same communists yep. manifested, you know, those same pinkles that came after me from Arizona State. Jordan Peterson's creaming it. 
because he's a real teacher. Yeah. And the fake teachers are going to get wiped out anyway. So that's a very long answer to say fake teachers are gone anyway because technology is going to wipe them out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I would love to pick your brain a little more on the AI thing in a minute. But first, one aspect of the show that we do is, you know, we have an ad in the show or two and we donate all the ad revenue toward a charity of the guest choice. So, you know, what breaks your heart? What do you care about? What do you want to see improved in the world? Where should we send the money? I know I'm known for a money guy, but I'm an environmentalist. I donate a lot of money to Greenpeace. Really? Yeah. I grew up in Hawaii. I'm an ocean sky. I've traveled the world on, on, I was a tanker officer. I've seen the pollution the tankers do and yeah. all this. And I love the ocean. As I, I talked about this morning, is that two of my close, I was a surfer kid growing up in Hawaii. And two of my classmates disappeared because sharks ate them. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. The sharks are happy. Yeah. <laughs> I live on Maui. Some woman just disappeared last week. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They can't find a body. Yeah. I love the ocean. Yeah. So I donate to Greenpeace because oceans are the lungs of the earth. Yeah. You know, ocean is where where CO2 gets converted to oxygen, or so I understand. Yeah. And I spent most of my life on the ocean. So that's I donate to Greenpeace. All right, so what if I told you that there was a cheat code that could bring you more business, more customers, attract an amazing team, allow you to connect with like your heroes? It's a no-brainer to invest in something like that, right? Well, for me, I'll tell you what that thing is. Podcasting, it's done all that for me and more. It's literally made me millions of dollars. So if you are a business owner, you should seriously consider podcasting. But here's the deal. I had to learn a ton through the years of trial and error. Looking back, I should have just hired a podcast coach much earlier which is why when I actually launched this show, I actually brought in my friend Kevin from Podcast Point Man. Kevin's been like the secret weapon behind some of your favorite real estate and business podcasts. I actually personally hired him to run the Bigger Pockets podcast network years ago. There's a great story there I'll tell you someday. Now, after years behind the scenes, he's taking on a handful of clients and he is a totally free resource for you, a quiz that matches you with custom tools and trainings that you can use to launch or reinvent your own show. You can find the quiz on his website, podcastpointman.com, and we'll link to that in the show notes, of course, for this episode. And again, that's free podcast training. Go to podcastpointman.com. That's podcastpointman.com. All right, back to the show. I want to drill in that a little more. A lot, like that surprises me a little bit. You're one of the most capitalist guys I know. Yeah. And yet you also care about the environment. And those things oftentimes, at least the media makes us seem, you can't be a capitalist and care about the environment. That's this division they're trying to make. But clearly that's not true. But that's what they want us to believe. Yeah. Those communist grannies, they want us to believe if you're a capitalist, you're destroying the environment. Yeah. That is the biggest lie because the biggest... Criminals. I mean, I'm not against blacks, whites, green, pink, yellow, you know, but Black Lives Matter is one of the most racist organizations I've ever heard. Mm. I mean, I had a friend of mine who's in Black Lives Matter and he called me a white supremacist. Mm. I didn't know what Black Lives Matter was. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, but I'm not white. I mean, their anger is they want to blame the white man for the blacks problems. I'm saying the moment you blame, you're a victim. Fight back. You know, my family was interned during World War II because we're Japanese. And I had about six families in California locked up in internment camps all along the California coast. They lost everything. They didn't complain. They're not protesting. They're not saying they're victims. 
My uncles, who were part of those put in concentration camps, joined the 442nd Infantry Battalion to fight in World War II. The Japanese, the 442nd, have the most highly decorated Army Infantry Battalion in the history of the United States. Instead of saying we're victims like Black Lives Matter wants us to believe, they fought back. Mm. I had two uncles captured by the Japanese because they fought against the Japanese. And one of my uncles was only 17 when he was captured. And he was put in a prisoner's war camp somewhere in the Philippines. And this is a horrible story. It's because he was Japanese and the camp commander was Japanese. He says, you're a spy. He says, no, I'm an American. He said, no, you're a spy. My uncle's 17 years old. So you know what the camp commander did to my uncle? Yeah. Castrated him. Ooh. In front of everybody. Really? And is that uncle angry? Well, I would be. Yeah. But he became a full bird colonel in the U.S. Army fighting back. So my thought to everybody here is don't be passive. Fight back when anybody's trying to take your freedom away. Yeah. So when my friend who's black, he's a multimillionaire, he says, you are a white supremacist. I said, you hate white guys so much, you can't see I'm not even white. <laughs> I think that's funny, personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll be sure to donate the uh, money from this episode to Greenpeace on your behalf. Uh, but uh, let's go back to AI real quick. I think you're right. AI is going to change the landscape for some careers like teachers. Do you see AI as our savior, as the villain that's going to destroy us all, or somewhere in between? And how do we make sure it's not the villain and it is our savior? Well, I think it's both. And I did a show for uh, on a podcast also. And what I do is I'm an entrepreneur. You know, the title of my talk is Rich Entrepreneur, Poor Entrepreneur. Yep. And as an entrepreneur, I designed a whole nother business that's going to incorporate AI. So rather than fight it or get wiped out, or, I said, how do I use AI yep. to form a better business? You know, today I pitched it from the uh, yeah. limitless stage. I said, we're going to teach capitalism around the world using a network marketing system of marketing. Mm to teach capitalists around the world using AI. Yeah. So you can be a victim to AI, or you can use AI to make you a hero. Yeah. It's up to you. That's cool, man. Yeah, you know, one thing that I'm really hot on right now is this idea of what I call capitalism-fueled charity. Most charities operate much more like a socialistic kind of a thing. Like, they're all donations, it's all like share, and I'm like, why don't we create businesses that can generate profits? So in fact, like this whole podcast is an example of that, everything I'm doing. How do we make good business? And, I, and again, it goes, I think capitalism is the answer to a lot of the problems. And I'd love to know your thoughts on this, if I'm off or, or on, but if we can get good, smart capitalists that know how to make money, now they can generate money, create jobs, and then they can give away some of that money. They can do the good. They can help the environment and all that. But it's not going to be solved by just taking more and more and more and more from everybody else until nobody has anything left. You're right on the mark. America has stopped being capitalist. I held up Marxist Communist Manifesto. Yeah. And uh, as Dennis Prager and I was, Dennis Prager went to Columbia University. And in 1930, Columbia University's Teachers College brought in Marxist teachers from Germany to teach Marxism through the Teachers College. So that was 1930, and Marx predicted this would happen. He says communism would happen in two stages. So stage one was when Columbia University, where Prager went, brought in communists. So Dennis Prager studied communism at Columbia University, 
In the 60s, by the time I got to Columbia University, I didn't go there, I went to military school in New York. And that's when the student riots broke out. And so my generation, the boomer generation, that's where the, you know, the rioting at Kent State broke out. It was Fort Dead in Ohio. So what Mark said, they were going to pollute the minds of the students. So Columbia University started it. It's right in the Communist Manifesto. Wow. And so that's why Dennis Prager is so anti-communist, because he actually studied. The actual person doesn't know they're a communist. When I read the Communist Manifesto when I was 18 years old in 1965, I realized most of my friends and family who are school teachers are communists. They believe in, they believe in social security, they believe in taxation, and they believe in labor unions. I don't. So there's this matter of education again, but you have this, what books do you read? What philosophies do you follow? It's the same thing. I'm not against somebody being a communist, but just be aware that you are. Yeah. That's what the NEA, National Education Association, extremely Marxist organization. Yeah. All right. What about, we talked about college a little bit. Do you even think it's necessary for kids to go to college these days, or should they avoid it, or when should they, when shouldn't they? Well, it depends upon the game. You know, if you're going to be a medical doctor, you got to have the... Thing. But you could be an entrepreneur. Look at, look at the richest entrepreneurs. They didn't finish college. Yeah. Jobs never finished college. He started Apple. He's doing yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Gates doing okay. never finished Harvard. He's doing, you know, he's doing pretty good. Yeah. Michael Dell never finished University of Texas. He's doing pretty good. But I think, you know, like today, for your generation, the greatest entrepreneurs, like I like Musk. Man, that guy is kicking butt. But he's also an integrity entrepreneur. You know, going in and cleaning out that rat's nest called Twitter. Yeah. And making it capitalist, not communist. Like, yeah. I don't know who started Twitter, but that guy's a hardcore Marxist. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, Twitter is a fascinating example of yeah. what happens in a company culture where there is no accountability. There is no that. Uh, you just, you show up to work. I mean, there, there was a great video, I don't know if you've seen it online, of this girl. It was like a few weeks before Elon took over. This girl going, this is a day in the life of me at Twitter. First I go in and I get myself a soda. And then, and the whole day was that way. It was like, the, there was nothing. There was no work. No and she's like, it was such a hard day. I had to take a nap. And it was this, that's what this culture has bred in a lot of, especially tech companies that have had a lot of money. Correct. And, and so, look at how many people Twitter influences. Yeah. It took down my friend Donald Trump. You know, Trump yeah. and I wrote two books together, but Twitter got him. And look at what else that happens. This guy, Hunter Biden, the FBI loses his laptop. Yeah. And then everybody says Tucker Carlson got fired because he took on the voting machines. But when you read between the lines, the reason Tucker got fired, he wanted to know who was on Jeffrey Epstein's, mm. you know, jets and Fantasy Island, you know, all the pedophile city. I said, how come my name's not on that list? <laughs> Apparently, it was a good thing my name's not on that list. <laughs> good thing. But that list disappeared. Yeah. So when you, you take the FBI and CIA and you used to cover up instead of clean up. Yeah. And what happened to Hunter Biden's laptop? And why is Donald Trump indicted? You know, he's the first president ever indicted. And so we're using our bureaucrats to go after our leaders. The same thing America did when they, uh, what was that thing with the, uh, I don't know, they, they, they weaponized the dollar against Russia. And then this guy Biden again, his first act after Trump was to cut down the Keystone XL pipeline. 
And I sell oil. I own oil wells. And the moment that was Biden's first act, and this is those greeny, commie pinkos, you know, ESG, environmental, social, and governance. When Biden cut off the Keystone XL pipeline, I was selling oil. I don't have oil stocks. I sell oil. I have oil wells. Oil went from 30 to 130. Mm. But because I went to military school and I am an oil guy, I knew exactly what Biden was doing. He was raising the price of energy. And you look all around this in this room, it's running on energy. Yeah. We were taught at the account with the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point, New York. That's a, I'm a ring knocker, you know, because the first thing they teach you is that civilization runs on energy. So when Biden cut off the Keystone XL pipeline, the price of oil went from 30 to 130. It's going to take out the middle class. And then this guy, Jerome Powell, you know, so inflation rises. So Jerome Powell raises interest rates. Who crashes? Silverado Bank, because the moment Powell, the Fed, which is a communist organization also, raised interest rates, the bank started collapsing because the bond market collapsed. Yeah. And that's going to crush my generation, the boomer generation, because we're the first generation with a 401k. Yeah. And this whole thing is not an accident. To me, it's part of the Communist Manifesto written in 1848. You should read the book. Everything that Marx said would happen is happening. Who is at most risk of disaster? As the world continues the way it's going, as America continues, who are you most worried about that's going to be affected and hurt the most? Well, I worry about your generation and below. Are you guys educated enough to take on what's coming? So the purpose of education is to prepare you for the future. And now I see so many young men, they're not men anymore. I'm not against gay men, but they're going to be TikTok dancers. Yeah. You know, you hurt their feelings, they cry. I'm a U.S. Marine. You know, I went to military school. Where do the men come from today? What happened to the men? Yeah. The women are kicking ass, <laughs> which I'm quite happy about. Yeah. But the men are getting weaker. Yeah. There's another guy called Rollo Tomasi, you know, the rational male. He says that women trade on beauty, men trade on success. So women, and he said, but also women get stronger because of education and all that. There's fewer men for them. Yeah. Because as Rollo says, women all, it's called hypergamy. A woman will marry up, she will not marry down. So men are going down, women are coming up, and we're gonna have a generation of TikTok male dancers. <laughs> so how do we get men to take back ownership and responsibility because I, I see it too. I see the video game men. I see the TikTok men. This whole generation of men who aren't taking ownership. Is there a way to get them back? Is there a message you could give them if they were listening to this? A lot of my friends bring their sons over to talk to me mm. as they're playing their video games and dancing to TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I suggest they go to the recruiter, join the U.S. Marine mm. Corps. And I've seen young men come out four years later. In the Marines, it's called AJ Squared Away. So there's the Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard. We got to teach young men to be of service. Mm. In construction, it's called rebar. You know what rebar is? Yep. It's like when you pour concrete, yep. you got to have the reinforcing bars of steel rods in there. A lot of men don't have the rebar. Women do. I've met so many. My partners are women now. But men have, the young boys lack the rebar. So you pour concrete around them, and all they do is watch TikTok. Yeah, it's crumble. 
What does the military do? Like, I mean, I'm not, I haven't been in the military, but a lot of my friends, same way, they go in without rebar and they come out hard as steel. So what what happens in there? I mean, Alex over here, military, went in, came out. I mean, I don't know what you were like before, but he came out pretty uh, (laughs) tough as nails now. Yeah. What the military do? Like, why are they so effective at that? It's just the reason I went to military school. Because, well, first of all, U of H rejected me. Mm. And U of H would reject a slug. You know what I mean? They'll <laughs> take anybody. But my grades were so bad, and my, I was a surfer kid. And I kind of knew, you know, we all know, there's a higher consciousness to all of us. And I said, I better do something pretty quick, because if I don't find discipline, strength, guidance, role models, I'm finished. Yeah. So I talked to young men all the time. I said, I would consider serving your country, either in the military, or I think that's still the Peace Corps. You know what I mean? Do something of service. Or like my friends are Mormon missionaries. Yeah. The Mormon missionaries I meet, they're some of the best business people I've ever 100%, met. hundred percent, yeah. You know what? You gotta go out there and go. Yeah, knock on doors. Yeah, yeah I'm here from the, I'm here for the, the yeah. Mormon church. My CPA, who's a great guy, Tom Wheelwright, he wrote the book, Tax Free Wealth. He served uh, as a more missionary in France. My best friend became a billionaire. He served as a Mormon missionary in Ireland. Mm. And uh, there is something about the word mission. When you serve God in yeah. any way, you change. Yeah. And I find message. out which way you can serve God. I'm not really religious. I'm not, not yeah. preaching that. Yeah. But, but you know who you need to serve. Yeah. So every young person, male or female, should serve. Yeah. That's, a, that's such a great message. Yeah. That you... People think you f- get forged in, you know, I'm going to just be a big, strong man. I'm going to yell and scream and push my way. It's, it's service. It's almost the opposite. It, I mean, in a way, it's almost what, what, what Jesus and other religious leaders have done. They came to serve, not to be served. Yes. Right? And, and when I think of Jesus, I think of a, you know, a pretty badass character. Or, yes. And it was because he was serving yes. that made him that way. And so if more men took that yes. principle. And I, when I was, I flunked out of Sunday school, like I said, but <laughs> I remember his last words where he served, but he knew he was going to die. Yeah. And then his last words were, forgive them, Lord, yep. for they know not what they do. Yeah. And we kill our gods a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Wild, man. All right. Let's talk about the future a little bit. Crystal ball here. Obviously, we do not have one today. So what's most important for what's coming? Just in your guess. In what order are these is more important? Owning gold, owning guns, or owning gas? And you can all, say oil. All three. <laughs> I read about the five Gs, you know. What are the five Gs? I know I got those three. Well, I don't five th- Gs. Number one is gold. Yeah. The reason you want gold is I don't trust the Fed. Yeah, yeah. So you want to be the Fed. You don't want to fight the Fed. Yeah. So number two, you have to have gas. So that's why I invest in oil wells. I don't. I worked for Standard Oil, but I own no Standard Oil stock. I, I'm here with my friend Mike Maselli is here, you know, and he teaches how to invest directly in the wells. Yeah. And then there's grub, which is ground. So as I talked about yesterday, I invest in Wagyu cattle. Mm, yeah. And I don't even heard my talk on that. No, but that's um, awesome. Yesterday, I was talking about when I was 15 years old, there was a dairy near me. And at the dairy, they had a bull. And the bull was the breeding bull. So I'm 15 years old, and all that guy does, he sits there, and they bring cows in heat. <laughs> and this bull jumping on him. And my 15-year-old friend, I look and say, oh, man, I want to do that. You know? <laughs> so, 
stuff. That's a job I can. I take. always wanted to be a breeding bull. Yeah, you know? there you go. So my friend sells. I buy Waigu breeding bulls. Why Waigu? Because Waigu is a brand. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just hamburger. Yeah. But there's Waigu hamburger. Yeah. You know? And the rich will always be rich. The poor will always be poor. As yeah. Price at the same thing. But I invest in Waigu breeding bulls, and so there's cash flow, there's oil flow, and semen flow. No. <laughs> so every time, every time that Waigu bull has an orgasm, yeah. you, I get you make, rich because I yeah, sell the semen. Never heard it that way, but so that's grub, right? Yeah. Ground is real estate. The last one is guns. Yeah. I carry full autos. Yeah. I do not carry. Everybody's carrying Glocks. Yeah. I carry full autos. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you think we're facing a, what's the likelihood of like a walking dead situation where, I mean, we are in full civil war, neighbors are fighting neighbors versus a depression. It's rough. You know, got to double up with your, your, your neighbor and, you know, share resources. Like how bad do you think this thing gets? Well, let's ask for this again, going back to the Marine Corps. Yeah. The Marine Corps wants to find out your breaking point. Mm. So I was a pilot. And what they used to do is in the Gulf of Mexico and Florida, off the Florida coast, they take us in the middle of winter, they simulate a parachute landing into the ocean. So they take you on this boat, you simulate, and then you drop. And then they drag you, simulate the parachute, dragging you across the ocean. And it's 37 or 38 degrees out. So you got to hold your hands up like this, and you have, the, you have your, your, your snaps and you have to learn to get your snaps off. Because mm. if your hands stay too long underwater, you can't feel. So then you get out of the thing, you get a little rubber boat, little rubber ducks. We paddle ashore. You join up with your seven compadres, seven fellow pilots. And then they chase you with guns. And they chase you for three days. And they want to get you to break. Yeah. So we have no food, no water. We're chilly. We're scared. We finally shot one raccoon. I don't know how we got him. So seven guys trying to eat one raccoon. It took us three days to revert back to animals. That was pretty soon. I didn't care if you're my best friend. Yeah. I want your raccoon. You know, the raccoon pieces are smaller than a chicken wing. And we're fighting over that. And then I heard guys actually start to growl. That's what the military did. They wanted to find out how yeah. long does it take you to revert to primal state. And then they surprise us, they shoot at us, you know, and they want to find out how you're going to crack and all this. So I ran for two more days without food in the cold and all this. I was nuts. That's a long way of saying is that if the worst gets to the worst today, the question is how many of your neighbors will turn primal? Yeah. So that's why I'm a prepper also. I have not food, water. I have a lot of antibiotics. Because you know what happened with COVID and all this? Our, our biotics come from China. Yeah. So my dentist was a great guy. He's also a prepper like me. I treated him 45 automatic weapon fire for drugs, for, <laughs> for uh, antibiotics. So I have weapons, food, and all this, and I have antibiotics just yeah. in case it all breaks down. Yeah. How likely is it good that bad? I mean, do you think it's a guarantee? Do you think we can pull out of this and... I don't think we know, but the thing is, when things are really, really bad, it's also the best of times. 
So yeah. you know, Ken McElroy put this event on. When everything crashed after 2008, we thought we died and went to heaven. Yeah. It was the best real estate in the world went on sale and all this. So we're prepared for it. So the issue is, is it going to happen? If it does happen, the question is, are you prepared for it? Yeah. Because if you're prepared for it, the crash or the next evolution or the, or the empire comes down called the American empire because we were printing too much. Every empire went down because of fake money. Yeah. Greek, Chinese, Roman went down, German went down because of fake money. America's doing the same thing. If the empire comes down and the dollar is no good, I don't think it will. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. If the empire comes down, are you prepared? Yeah. Because it could be the best time of your whole life. Yeah. Uh, Let's hope we uh, I don't scrape hope. out. Yeah. Hope plan. Is, hope. <laughs> hope is for the hopeless. Oh, there you go. So you know, let's plan for I the worst. I am prepared for it. Yeah, I'm prepared. a U.S. Marine. There you go. All right, man. If you had to sum up all the problems in America into one sentence and you couldn't use the word communism, <laughs> what would you say? I cannot use that word. <laughs> let's say, other than communism, what is America's greatest threat? An education system that's not doing its job. Mm. Mm. Look at everybody here today. We're here for education. Yep. We're paying a lot of time and money. It's the people who are not here I'm concerned yeah. about. Do I mean, I thank you all for being here because you're paying time and money for your education. Yeah. That's being proactive. Yeah. I gave out a number of free tickets. Nobody showed up. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I'm going to hang out with them anymore because <laughs> they don't value education. Yeah. If you don't value education, especially today, you're obsolete. It's like AI is going to take you out anyway. Yeah. I'm not going to do it to you. Every school teacher is going to lose her job because of AI. Yes. If you're a radiologist, you're going to lose your job. I don't care if you're a PhD. AI is going to level the playing field. This is the worst thing. I talked to a young woman, she's about 25 years old, and she's an AI genius. And she says something that scared the crap out of me. She says, I'm terrified of AI. Mm. And because I'm an old guy, I barely use my cell phone, you know. I said, what are you terrified about? She says, we don't know how dark AI can get. Yeah. I didn't know what she was talking about, but she knew what she was talking about. And I just took it as a warning. So we don't know what AI is going to bring. Like it or not, it's here. You know, I listened to the interview. I think uh, Sam Altman, I think was his name, the CEO of like OpenAI, and he did with uh, Lex Friedman. And the number, and he, I mean, he's the CEO of the AI company, right? The number of times he said the words, I don't know, scared the hell out of me. Like it was like over and over. He's like, he'd have to be asked a question. He'd just go, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, you built it. We don't know. It's terrifying. I mean, it's, I have optimism and I have pessimistic about it, but. All human beings are like the moon and the moon has a bright side and a dark side. Yeah. AI has a bright side. But this young woman was saying, I don't know how dark the dark side yep. is. Mm, yeah. And we just take it on as a lady, as a warning. How dark is the dark side of AI? Cause it's smarter than us right now. Yeah. How far will it go? She says, I don't know. Same yeah. answer. But to bring back what you said a little bit ago, and I, and I think you even put this in one of your books, if I remember, I I'm pretty sure it was you, where you said, I don't care who's president, Republican, or Democrat. I want to know how to make money in either way. Same thing. I don't know if it's going to be great or hard on us. I want to make money either way. And I like that philosophy of thinking, yeah. like, how do I make money? How do I survive? How do I do well no matter what? 
Right. You know, Kenny McElroy is my good. He and I are partners, and I yeah. bought a billion dollars worth of real estate. I still come to learn. Yeah. And my friends who are poor don't show up. Yeah. Which goes back to the ego thing, right? When I think I have a lot of friends who, I don't want to say laugh at me, but they think I'm just into that, like, get rich quick or the uh, self-help stuff. I'm like, no, I, we don't know what's coming. I'm going to take no. every advantage I can. That's because. Right. Like, why wouldn't you? And it terrifies me. It's easy to get into the echo chamber here and say, oh, we, yeah, we all care about personal development and finance. No, we are 0.1% of the U.S. population that is here. Right. Maybe smaller. Well, if I could give a commercial message to my cash flow board game. Please. After my wife and I were retired, I was 47. She was 37. We did it without a 401k, IRA, all that stuff. People kept saying, how did you do it? We couldn't explain it. So in 1996, Kim and I built the cash flow board game. And that was to train your brain to think like a rich person. And I asked my friend, he wanted to play the game with me. Here, I'm retired. My best friend is a, is a billionaire. All my friends who play the game are rich. And my friend says to me, he says, you need that game. I don't. I said, why not? He says, I have an MBA. Yep. And I have a real estate license. Yep. And you don't have a real estate license. I said, what? And these idiots actually think a piece of paper, like an MBA, yep. or a real estate license is the same as intelligence. That's what terrifies me. Yeah. There's so many people who are not prepared for what's coming. What that young lady said to me, she says, the more I know about AI, the more it terrifies me because exactly as your friend says, yeah. I don't know how dark it is. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. Hey, I want to shift gears a little bit onto some wealth topics. You know, being a little limitless, we talk a lot about wealth. Is there a particular technology or field or category of business that if you had to start over today, I mean, you lost everything, what would you get into? Like, what would it be real estate? Would it be tech? Would it be, what would you get into? You have to have the skills of an entrepreneur. And everything they teach you in school, school takes away your skills. Like they tell you in school, don't make mistakes. Yeah. So the person who makes no mistakes is the smartest. Well, if you're going to be rich, you have to learn how to make mistakes. You've got to be humble. You, know, yeah. you make a mistake, I made a mistake. Do you know that, what was this guy named Clinton, president? He says, I did not have sex with that woman. Yeah. And he got a blowjob, but he didn't have sex. And I'm going, oh my God, give me a break here. You know? Yeah. A student. Right? <laughs> a student. Well, you better admit your mistakes pretty quickly. Yeah. That's that's all I want to say. But the thing my rich dad said to me when I was coming out of the Marine Corps is 74. My poor dad wanted to get my, my MBA, my PhD, and fly for the airlines. I didn't want to do it. But my rich, so I said, how to become an entrepreneur? He says, you got to sell. And in my family, poor dad's family, salesmen were scum. Yeah, same. You know, PhD is at one level, salesmen at the bottom level. That was our family. And so I said, oh, God, you know, it's like the rich dad's son. I said, father, I said, I don't want to learn how to sell. I don't want to learn how to sell because my family's attitude, being academic types, they hated sales. Yeah. So finally, my rich dad said to me, he says, Robert, you don't want to sell? He says, no. He says, how's your sex life? I said, non-existent. He says, because you can't sell. Because you can't sell. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same advice, man. Learn how to sell. There you go. Oh. That's why we, Kenny and I are starting a network marketing company. Yeah. Because we're going to train people how to sell. Yeah. Sell, and, sell and, and, and make money and things like that. So we're going to start a company 
teaching the skills of capitalism or entrepreneurship. Yeah. yeah. Capitalism and entrepreneurship are the same. Yeah. Yeah. I feel to echo that if you can sell, it, it doesn't really matter what the product is almost. If you're a good salesperson, I could jump around to 10 different things and sell and I'll be okay no matter what. Because no. humans are always going to need to buy something. So yeah. build I that think, skill. I think what you're hitting on the darkest side of an academic type is they're not rich people. Yeah. Because they can't sell. So they want to mm. tell you what to do. Yeah. Like those, like what ASU said, it was okay if I spoke at ASU if they would tell me what to say. Yeah. But they, nobody listens to them unless yeah. you're a kid. So it's the basic skills of entrepreneurship are the fundamentals of capitalism. Yeah. And selling is a big part of it. And I, I started this whole program shy. I don't like rejection. I don't think anybody likes rejection. Yeah. But you have to learn to take it and move on, fail, move on. Which you know? goes back to the Mormon thing. Like yes. They learn to knock yes. and get rejected. And uh, a yeah. lot of my friends just make so much as door-to-door salesmen. And most of them started out yeah. in the LDS church, like yeah. knowing selling, how to get rejected. Selling is communication. Yeah. All of this. yeah. Hey, what are, you know, you have a lot of friends who are very wealthy and you yourself have a lot of money and you surround yourself in that world. What are the, we talk a lot about the fun of wealth, right? Having a private jet or going on vacation. What are the dangers that you've seen in wealth? Like what, what should people worry, like be careful of as they build their wealth along the way? Well, we could have talked about it as be careful the teacher. Like I come here and I listen to all these teachers and all this. And one guy stood up there and says, I made $41 million in 30 minutes. Yeah. In, in legal terms, it's called puffery. Mm. That spooked me. I said, if you really were, I don't know how much money I make. And I, I don't really brag about it. Yeah. I said, Ken and I do deals and all this, talk about what we do. But you've really got to be careful of your teacher. Yeah. And I learned that in Sunday school, I was like nine or 10 years old. This is in Hawaii. And my Sunday school teacher was a young, beautiful, pretty woman. She says, why are the wise men rich? I mean, why are the wise men wise? Excuse me. So I raised my hand. I said, because they're rich. And she says, why are they rich? And she said, because one had frankincense, one had gold, and one had myrrh. They had to be rich. She goes, no, that's not the answer. Why are the wise men wise? I didn't know. Her answer was, I'll leave it with this. They sought the best teachers. Mm. And that was at, that was about was seven or eight. And that's why 10, I found my rich dad. Mm. I wanted to find a teacher. How do you find the right teacher? How do you know somebody's worth I following? I'm, I'm always checking. Yeah, YouTube is full of them. Yeah. But the question is, how do you know who's real and who's not? Yeah. Real? That's hard. And I, and like Jim records, you know, I mean, he's, He's upfront about his losses at uh, long-term capital management and all that. Yeah. The real teachers share their mistakes because you learn from your mistakes. The fake ones don't. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we're getting close to the end. We'll get you out of here and go to the evening festivities here. But let me ask you a few more kind of wrap-up questions. I like the term a pivot book. So think of your life in one direction and then it pivots a little bit because you read a book. Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a pivot book for me. Cashflow Quadrant, pivot book for me. What were some pivot books for you? Any books that you read and you changed your thinking and changed your life? Well, there were several. There was The Creature from Jekyll Island by mm. G. Edward Griffith. Yep. And he says in there, bailout is the name of the game. It's the Federal Reserve Bank is Marxist. It's a central bank. And that's why I read on stage today Jefferson's ruling yep. that a central bank will leave people homeless. You look at what's happening in America. 
hopelessness is taken off because of the Fed. Yeah. If you get that one. And the Fed was designed only to make the rich richer and crush the middle class and poor. That's why it's Marxist. That was one. Another one was a critical path by Dr. R. Buckminster Fuller into the geodesic dome. And I was studying with Fuller. My poor dad loved Fuller. My rich dad didn't know who he was. Yeah. Because, but Fuller was an academic. And it was Fuller who created the geodesic dome. But he's the guy that asked me, what does God want done? Mm. Yeah. And so when I retired and all that, I said, what does God want done? So once I made enough money, I was 47 and 37. Yeah, great. Do it. What is something that you've done in the last year that's improved your life in any way, giving you a better life? Anything, new habits or routines or tactics? Or Well, I don't, uh, I'm here with Dr. Nicole, who's my doctor. And I'm, uh, you see pictures of me, I'm like 240 pounds. Mm. And today I'm down to about 190. Went from a 40-inch waist to a, a 33-inch waist. Yeah, what'd you do? But it happened because I got healthier. Mm. I didn't go on a diet to lose weight. I changed my diet to get healthy. Mm. And so that's why uh, Ken McElroy, myself, and Dr. Nicole were looking at starting a business that teaches capitalism via network marketing with a product that lets people be healthier, combining that with the cash flow game. So if somebody joins a downline, let's say in uh, India, they get the product and they get the cash flow game. And then like Kenny and I come through in teaching capitalism. The trouble with our world today is Marxism is systemic. It's called school systems. And so the, my talk today, rich entrepreneur, poor entrepreneur, what entrepreneurs is create systems. And so we're creating a system that's going to teach capitalism and make people rich as well as healthy. Health, wealth, happiness, the same thing we got nailed at by Arizona, at Arizona State on February 8th this year. And we're yeah. going to teach health, wealth, happiness, and capitalism via network marketing. Yeah. It's not done yet, but we're working on the plans on it. Yeah. What is, when you lost all that weight and got healthy, I mean, you, yeah, you definitely look healthier. So is that mostly diet? Is it supplements? Is it exercise? All of it? Uh, I'll, I'll give a pitch. Dr. Nicole's product is called Ultra Healthy Human. And she's a genius at formulations. And she realized that health starts in your organs. So you think of yourself as an automobile. Your car has an air filter, oil filter, gas filter, things like this. Well, your organs are filters. And just in daily life, you know, picking up this and all yeah. this is plastic and all this. We're ingesting toxins. Mm. So what I do is I get up every morning. It's not hard. I take one shot of her detox. One, she, has, she has an energy drink that's healthy, not like Red Bull or things like this. I just drink that and I detox. And the more I detox, my skin changes. My eyes change, my weight drops, and I don't get hungry. So it's, as she says, health and wealth start from the inside. Happiness starts, you know, progress is happiness starts from the inside. So by just changing from the inside, you glow outside. And, you know, a lot of people are trying to change their outside. That's why cosmetics and, you know, yeah. men are pumping waste yeah. from the outside. But health, wealth, and happiness and beauty start on the inside. Yeah. And so that's where Kenny and I and Nicola are looking at possibly, we haven't done it yet, starting a network marketing company so we can export capitalism via a system called network marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that perspective of it's not just 
I want to look good. It's I want to be good. Like inside, I want to right. live a long time. It's and our environment's toxic. Yeah. You know, a woman comes over to my 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 yoga instructor. She won't touch this. It's plastic. I'm going. <laughs> well, how do you survive? You don't touch. I just don't. I want glass. Yeah. You know, it's just too psycho. I just touch <laughs> this. You know I mean, but we all know we're ingesting toxins. Yeah. If we keep our organs healthy, our brains healthy, our spirits healthy, detox, we get healthier. Yeah. And so I don't, I can't even eat. I, I'm a garbage bit. Yeah. Just now, I'm just eating fruit, not because I like fruit. Yeah. Because I can't take the other garbage. Ah, oh, beautiful. Well, speaking of food, I love this question. So I'm going to Scottsdale here the next week. What's the, a must eat food that I got to eat here? What's a restaurant or meal that you just think is the best that I should go to get? That's a tough one. <laughs> I'm Japanese, but I don't like Japanese food. Mm. But I like sashimi and sushi. <laughs> and the trouble with sushi, I'm allergic to rice. Ah. So what's good for me, maybe, you know, I'm, but I, I do think it's just awareness. I, just, I didn't know this about oils. I didn't know there were so many different cooking oils. Yeah. I've been hearing about that too. Yeah. yeah. So it's education, awareness, and this reason we're all here at Limitless, you know, all here to learn, be aware. Make a better life for ourselves and everybody around us. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Thank you. You're changing lives. I appreciate you so much. So thank, thank you for doing you. this today. Appreciate it. Thank you all too, you guys. Oh, one more fist. Ready? Look at that. Thank you, Robert. That was great. And that is the show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brandon Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on this show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback. I look at the feedback. And we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, check out abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner. Oh